Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. We're covering an old Ernest Holmes book, Can We Talk to God? And we're going through it chapter by chapter. Last week, we talked about the idea of personalizing our encounter of or our relationship, if you will, with our higher power. And we talked about, uh, gosh, that can take a, a big range of really feeling and sensing that power and presence of God just as an, an indwelling thing that's with us all the time, or it can be a less personal version. And in fact, I, I ended, if you'll remember, last week with the suggestion that everybody maybe might actually write, uh, write down or do a bit of meditation on what our particular connection to our higher power looks like. What does it feel like? What is the sense of it? And so uh, that was the homework I left you with last week. I kind of want to add on to that a bit this week with the idea, um, well, another facet, if you will, of, of our divine connection to God. And I want to talk mostly today about that co-creative power that we entertain uh, with our version of God, with our higher power. And uh, of course, although we're reading from Ernest Holmes, he didn't invent this stuff, right? We're talking about spiritual principles, and so it isn't like inventing a thing as much as it is really recognizing or maybe formulating what we believe to be true about it. And what I happen to know about Ernest Holmes is he basically stole it out of the New Testament. And so uh, um, I want to read to you Ernest Holmes' inspiration for the idea of our thoughts becoming things, for the idea of this universal principle. He called it the divine creative process, uh, but here's where he got it from. So I'm reading from uh, John, first chapter of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing has been made ever. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So I want to spend just a, a moment on this piece of scripture, because they're using a, a phrase that we're not used to in modern English. So the word, in the beginning was the word, and it's capitalized. Now, uh, if you look in a dictionary, you'll see about the 85th definition of the word is actually what Ernest Holmes and, and in fact what the creators of the Bible were thinking about. And of course we get the Bible from a Greek translation. So if you go back to the Greek, the terminology for the word was the Greek word logos. And logos, although it means a word, it also has a particular meaning of this idea of, of a word. It means our intentional thought and word. So it's not just uh, words that come into our head or words that we speak every day. It's the idea of really intentionally speaking your truth. It's like a pronouncement. It's like your expectation and what you can receive in life. And so I want to read this again and let's substitute the idea of intentional thought. In the beginning was intentional thought. And intentional thought was with God. And intentional thought was God. Intentional thought was with God in the beginning, and through it, all things were made. Without intentional thought, 
Nothing was made that has ever been made. Intentional thought was life, and that life is the light of all mankind. This light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Do you see how this idea of our intentions, our pronouncements, that which we intentionally believe, that is not only what created the universe. You know, this is part of the creation story in the Bible. And although in many other places in the Bible it talks about kind of the stages of God creating the heavens and the earth, right? The, the six days of creation and resting and that uh, and so forth. This is like how it was created. So it was created from the power of God's logos. And then John goes on to say that Everything that has been created is from that same power. That it's not like the universe just got created and then God walked away. You know, good luck everybody. Um, The idea is that power of Logos was given as a gift to every single one of us. And so God is creating the universe still through the power of our logos, our creative thought. And so that's where uh, Ernest Holmes got the whole idea of the divine creative process and the fact that our thoughts become things. Well, it's not just every thought we have, right? Uh, It's those intentional thoughts that we put some oomph behind. It's when we're speaking our spiritual truth, that is the logos, that is the power of our word with a capital W. So I want to talk about this a little bit today, and I want to break it into three places, um, but I think we'll start with Ernest Holmes' initial description of this idea of our creative process. He says, there should be a definite and conscious expectancy. We should feel as though the entire power of the universe were for us and never against us. All conversation to the contrary must resolutely be set aside, remembering that our mental treatment is neither wishing nor willing. It's an affirmation of the presence, the power, and the willingness of God to specialize itself for us, to meet our every need. It is not through human determination nor by the power of our will, but by the silent working of the Spirit through organized thought. This is how the divine imparts its power to each and every person. We are chemists in the laboratory of the infinite. What shall we choose to produce? So this idea of logos, this idea of the law, this idea of our creative thought, he has three kind of corollaries that go with it. And I want to spend uh, just a couple minutes on each one of them. First of all, he says it's always in effect. Now this has that good news, bad news kind of thing going with it. There are times I wish that God only listened to me when I was in prayer in the morning. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever had one of those days where all is calm and beautiful in the sanctity of your own home and then then you go to work or you go out on the freeway and suddenly not only is life different, but our thinking about life can be changed somewhat. We get stuck behind someone on the freeway doing hinky things and our, our thought, of course, you know, what a, right? Don't we have unkind thoughts? Well, the trouble with this law is if it's a pronouncement, if it's not just an idle thought, but an actual 
thought, the word, the logos, and we have some passion in it and some belief in it and some pronouncement of it, we might as well be in prayer in the morning. And so the flip side of this is when we're having negative thinking and when we're making negative judgments and pronouncements, it's just like we're saying a prayer because God, that intuitive and co-creative power, is following along with us whenever we're doing that Logos thing, whenever we're making a pronouncement, whenever something in our heart is being said with some energy and pronouncement, God is like, okay, we'll take care of that. Now, the interesting thing about it, and maybe there's a, you might think of it as a safety valve. God isn't so sure that we should be messing with other people. And so when we make it a pronouncement, we get the benefit of it. So if we're in judgment, the other people aren't suffering any. When we're in judgment of someone, it's reflected back to us and our lives become more judgmental and more judged. When we put out a lot of negative energy about someone or something, unfortunately, it just gets reflected back to us. And so our hearts become a little more hardened. Our ability to to love and be uh, prosperous gets shrunken just a little bit when we're sending out that negative energy to someone else. I, I mean, it's a good safety valve, but most of us don't realize that those vibes that we send out really don't go anywhere but just back to us. And so when we're full of venom and, and, and when our, uh, our pronouncements become harsh or difficult, we're stewing in the juices we've put out. It, it really has only that purely negative effect on us. And so the law is always in effect. Whether our thoughts are pure and good and beautiful and it seems like a prayer you'd love to hear or if we're on the freeway stuck behind that guy that just cut us off, right? It's always working. So of course, of course, Ernest Holmes would say, let us be careful with where our thoughts go. Not not so much the idle ones. I mean, we always have idle thoughts of, oh gosh, that could have gone better, or what's he thinking, you know, but then we're on to the next thing. So that's not a logos kind of thought. But when we make a pronouncement, the people in Washington are just no good. (laughs) Not that any of us have been doing anything like that lately, and of course I don't mean Washington State, right? (laughs) But when we have that powerful of a pronouncement, really the person that is going to be affected the most is us. It, it brings that alive in us. We start seeing the world as an us or them. We start seeing competition where maybe there isn't any. We start seeing divisiveness because it's our our own creation and we're looking for it. We're actually beginning to seek it out when we have that level of pronouncements. All right, the next thing I want to talk about is the idea that it applies to everyone. Well, uh, any of us who are practitioners or ministers here know that we will get the day when this one person will come up to us and will say something like, Larry, you know, I really appreciate this whole science of mind thing and I see how it really works for you pretty well, but it just doesn't work for me. It's that idea that maybe you have to be a certain kind of person to use this co-creative process well. 
Uh, and I think it comes honestly from many thousands of years of organized religions where some people considered themselves the chosen people and the other people weren't, right? Doesn't that, isn't that the way many of the organized religions work in the world? You have to believe exactly this set of rules, then God will smile down on you. Everybody else, all bets are off. That's not what we believe here. We believe Everybody has the same level of power and presence. Everybody has the same ability to be intimately connected to God. Everyone here can use that Logos power, and it's available to everyone equally. doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your religious upbringing it is. doesn't matter whether you're wearing a practitioner stall or not. Each one of us is using this law, this spiritual principle. Each one of us has the same oomph to their logos, when they make a pronouncement, when they claim something in the world, each one of us has that. And don't let anyone take it away from you. Let no one suggest that you are less powerful than anyone else. Let no one ever tell you that um, God just is not for you or that the ability to have faith and to do good things in the universe is somehow diminished because it's not. We are equally powerful, and we equally can use this power of Logos. The third thing that Ernest Holmes uh, talks about uh, simply is that our power of Logos has its consequences. So let me talk uh, to you about that a little bit. Uh, Who here in the Pacific Northwest desperately tries to grow tomatoes in the summer? (laughs) All right. There's a, there's a fair number of us, right? And we argue about whether it's early girl or sweet 100 or some of you are nodding, right? These are some of the varieties that will grow here. But what we're sure about is if we're patient and we plant that tomato, we will eventually get tomatoes. Now, it may be October. (laughs) It may be just as that first frost is approaching when there it is. But we know that if we plant a tomato, even here in the Pacific Northwest, we're going to get a tomato. Maybe just one some years, but we will get a tomato. And so year after year, we plant tomatoes, and we have our, and some years we have lots of them. And, some, and for some of us, it's a, a habit. I do actually remember one summer, it rained so much that I got no tomatoes. But if I would have waited long enough, A few more sunny days. Where I'm going with this is you plant a tomato, you're going to get tomatoes. The law works the same way. If you plant seeds of discontent and trouble, sooner or later, rain or shine, you're going to get discontent and turmoil in your life. It's just the way it works. And now some of us will say, well, all right, um, but... uh, Why is it that I don't seem to be able to change this very well? Why is it that my life seems kind of stuck on one stream? It's not, for most of us, it's probably somewhere in the middle, right? We have our our good moments and our bad moments. We have times when we're feeling loved and lovable and times when it's not so much. Why is it that I can't kind of tip that? It's because we keep planting tomatoes. We keep planting the same seeds, our same logos that we planted last year and the year before that. If we want something different, 
we actually have to plant different seeds. And it's interesting that the Surgeon General I know was uh, sponsoring some kind of uh, study on tomatoes and potatoes, everything in the nightshade family, uh, to see if it's actually even healthy that we should be eating it. And some people are already saying, no, we don't do the nightshades. There's just too much risk of the eyes of the potatoes getting into things. And, you know, we don't need this in our system anymore. Other people uh, are actually studying the acidity of tomatoes in particular and whether that's a good idea. I, w I went to my doctor not too long ago complaining of, uh, of a little acid in my stomach and she looked at me and she said, you really like Italian food, don't you? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, she's right, but how did she know just by looking? That's what I want to know. But I'm thinking again how this reflects back to us. Even sometimes when we know something isn't that good for us, right? My steady diet of lots and lots of Italian food, probably not so healthy for me. And yet, and yet, where do you want to go out tonight? Hmm, <laughs> Italian food, it sounds wonderful. I think we're stuck on the same thing, the same thought patterns and the same beliefs over and over again that tend to bring us parts of life that we don't want. A, it's a habit, and B, there was a time when it suited us. There was a time when I could eat all the Italian food I wanted, I didn't gain weight, and I didn't have stomach problems. My life has moved on. I'm not that 20-year-old anymore. I don't necessarily want the same things out of life anymore, and yet the Olive Garden calls to me. <laughs> what, what am I going to do about it? I have to start planting different seeds. If I want more love and more joy in my life, I can no longer afford to stand in such judgment of what's going on in Washington, D.C. I may need to take some action but for me to stew about it with each article that comes out in the newspaper, with each uh, internet email that comes to me, when I simply allow it to bring up angry and judgmental thoughts, what am I doing? I'm planting the negative tomato seed again. And I'm hoping I'll have something different. I'm hoping that the extra helping of cannoli won't bother me. And yet, and yet, there I am with an etsep stomach the next day. If we want different results, we have to have different thoughts. We have to begin shifting our beliefs. So I'd like everyone here for just a moment to think of something that's bugging them right now. Now it might be the situation in Washington, it might be a more personal thing like a job situation, it might be a relationship that's going poorly. And what I know is the cause of those are thoughts and beliefs running around in your head right now. That's what Ernest Holmes, that's his fundamental teaching that our thoughts become things. That when we put out our logos, it returns to us. We get to see more of it. And I did this exercise myself uh, uh, a couple weeks ago and, and one of the things that was bothering me a little bit was a relationship that I have that I thought could be improved upon. And so I sat down and wrote a whole list of all of the things that I believe about love and relationships and friendship. And I had, just off the top of my head, I had about 20 or 30 things like relation, I remember still one of them, relationships are difficult to maintain 
And I remember another one on there, marriage always has its ups and downs. Now those I think are probably not unique to me. I'm betting a lot of people here in the audience have those two beliefs about relationships and marriages. And I bet we could add, again, if all of you were to go home and make a list of everything you believe about love and relationships and maybe even uh, long-term relationships or marriages, you will probably discover what I discovered. It's a lot of interesting, conflicting information. So is it any reason then that my relationships have their ups and downs and their conflicts and their troubles, right? It's the law just mirroring back to me what I believe to be true in the world. So what I did and what I'm suggesting as part of your homework is pick in that area in your life, write down as many things as you believe it. So if you picked out, let's say, trouble at work, well, what do you believe about jobs in general? What do you believe about bosses? What do you believe about earning a living? What do you believe about the power structure in corporate America? Write down all of your beliefs then about having the job that you have. Or let's say an area in your life that's a a little bit rocky, maybe it's your personal health. Maybe as you've been getting older, you've been noticing little things in your body that aren't quite going the way you would want them to. Or maybe some downright troublesome conditions. Write down everything you believe about what it's like getting older. Write down everything that you believe about what happens to our bodies over time. These are the reflections. These are your logos being planted just like tomato seeds and you can see what it's producing in your world. Now, what I did on Mind for Relationship, I started really questioning the things that I didn't like on my piece of paper. If there were things on my piece of paper that this is not what I want, I don't want relationships to always be up and down. I want them to be up and just stay up. And I know people whose relationships, by and large, are really strong and really good almost all the time. And I said to myself, I want to be that person. What do I need to become that person? Because I don't believe I have to fall some averages of what some old way of thinking is, right? I can be different. I'm already different in so many ways that (laughs) why can't I be different in this marvelous and good way? And so one by one, I went through my list and the things that were causing me problems, I just ripped them out and I replaced them with something more productive. Now, some of you will say, well, Larry, I wish it was as easy as, you know, taking a number two pencil and crossing something off the list. And I am not going to say it is that easy, but I am going to say that's a good place to start. Because when you are aware of what's going on in your head, then and only then do you have a chance to start changing it, to start making your pronouncements more along the lines of what you want, to use that power of your word with a capital W for good, for love, for joy, for peace, for what you stand for, for the kind of relationships you want to have, for the kind of jobs that are supportive that you look forward to going to, for a body that's healthy and strong well into your middle and late years, we can have all of those things if we make that the point of our logos. If we say, I am healthy, I am hearty. 
The rest of society may choose to poop out in their 60s, but it's not gonna be me, right? You actually have that power. You can, in fact, ask your doctor if people with, with a good attitude don't have better outcomes. They will all tell you that. This isn't just something that I'm uh, on a tear about, although I am on a tear about it. <laughs> we can be healthy, we can be happy, we can be joyous, our relationships can be wonderful, our lives can have all of the elements of joy and peace in them that we choose if we choose. If we stop planting those old seeds and pick something different. Maybe this is the year that I'm not going to so struggle over getting those darn tomatoes to grow anymore. They're probably not that good for me. Why do I babysit them all summer long? In October 3rd, the day before the frost, I get that one sad little cherry tomato. (laughs) I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to put up with a life that is any less rich than what I deserve. I'm not going to put up with relationships that are any less than loving because I know that it comes from within me. I can change it. I don't have to wait for some outer conditions to be right. I can claim what I want with power, with intention. I can use my word of truth and the universe responds. I'm going to close today. So you've got your homework, right? I'm going to give you just a quick review of the homework. Once again, your homework is to pick an area in your life where you'd like to see some improvements and write down everything that you believe about that. And then start editing your list. Do I really want to believe? If, for instance, maybe I'm feeling like money is an issue in my life, is it really a good idea that I believe that rich people are crooked? Think about this for a minute. Some of you are going, "Uh uh-oh. If I really want to have a more abundant lifestyle, do I really want to believe you just work hard and then you die? Do you see how some of our crazy thoughts are actually out-picturing as those tomatoes that maybe turns out aren't so healthy? All right, last quote from the book and we'll do a prayer. And then some more fine music from the choir. We should definitely declare that the spirit within us is the spirit of God. It's quickening into action everything that we touch, bringing the best out of all of our experiences and our intentional thoughts. The greatest good which our mind is able to conceive should be affirmed as part of our everyday existence. From such daily meditation, from such use of our word, we will venture forth into a life of action and the will to do, the determination to be and to have a joy in life. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life and one goodness. There is this thing called God and what I know about God, even as it created the universe out of using its word, so do I. So is my life a a, a combination of my thoughts and my actions, my deeds and my desires. As I speak my truth, as I use that Logos power, God responds to it. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room. Each person, regardless of our backgrounds, our heritage, each one of us is that same centralized point 
of co-creation. Each of us uses our word every day to produce the life around us, to produce our experience of life itself. And so today I claim for each person here, maybe a willingness to take a look at the seeds we're planting, to more consciously choose how we use this marvelous power. And for this, for this, oh my gosh, for this huge idea, I give great thanks. I know that our lives and the world itself are enriched just by us choosing a little more carefully what we choose to talk about, what we choose to think about, our beliefs and our actions. And so for this, I give great thanks. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.